There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Sorry again, guys. We're going to briefly interrupt the podcast to tell you about a new movie called Embattled. Embattled is starring Stephen Dorff. It's written by David McKenna, who wrote American History X and Blow. Uh, you will also see cameos from Tyrone Woodley and Kenny Florian in this film. And it's the story of a tumultuous relationship between a father and his son, and did I mention that both father and son are MMA fighters? So this could be right up your street. It's available from the 5th of July on digital download. Check it out. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I am Blake Harrison and I said hello first, just before you were about to say hello. Isn't that right, Stu? I could see you breathed in and you went, uh, oh no, I can't speak now. Introduce yourself, Stu. <laughs> I took a big old breath and like, yep, you you went in and no jazz hands today with no your, jazz uh, your intro. No, I've been mocked too much about my my jazz my jazz hands <laughs> my my jazz hands. <laughs> I've been mocked too much about my jazz hands. <laughs> People are going to think we're drunk. I don't know what's going on with this. Um, but yes, hello, welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. We have a fantastic episode for you today but before we get on to the episode we want to tell you about our amazing lovely supportive friends over at free train they do these amazing vests for you to train in for you to run in and they store your phone close to your chest where you have easy access to it and you can run listening to music or your favorite mma based podcast which better be our one uh and yeah they're fantastic and if you go over to the free train website uh, www.freetrain.com you can get a cool 10% off. Yes, you can. Uh, by using the discount code MMA Fan. Yes, MMA Fan. You sounded like you weren't sure about that, but he uh, is correct. Do you know what I was thinking? Is it the MMA Fan? It's, no, it's MMA Fan. That's the, that's the discount code, and that will save you some pennies. And if you want to see how good a free train vest looks, you can go on their website and see all manner of kind of chiseled athletes looking incredible. Better still, head over to former guest Brett John's Instagram and you can see Brett in his car wearing a vest, singing along to share. Oh, it's beautiful. What a talented man. I believe in life after love. 
<laughs> oh, wonderful. Freetrain.com. Go get stuck in. Should we get stuck into today's episode? We absolutely should. We've got a fantastic guest as part, uh, as part of our Cage Warriors trilogy specials. It's Matt, the Beast Bonner, and he is taking on Natias Frederick at Cage Warriors 123 for the middleweight belt on June 24th. It's a brilliant episode. Uh, shall we just get on with it, Stu? Matt, how's it going? <laughs> really good, fellas. How are you? Really good, mate. Good. Yeah. Well, where are you at the moment? I'm at home in Warrington. Oh, lovely, lovely. Has it been like a gym day today or has it been chilled out one for you? Uh, I've got a little bit of work on today. So I uh, I own my own gym, my own MMA gym with my brother Daniel, my twin brother. So I've got oh, a little nice. bit of work that I've done earlier on and I was just, just chill out today now. Nice. When you say you've got work to do with that, is that like boring kind of bookkeeping stuff or is it like something a bit more fun it's like one-to-one sessions so oh, it's nice. like a one-to-one basis with clients i'll come in do a little bit of pads or, or whatever they want to do and then uh that kind of like an hour session um and then yeah just train them and uh, i'm kind of lucky enough where i can do a job that i enjoy doing so yeah sure. that sounds good sounds great and i mean just to sort of roll it back a little bit to kind of get some more sort of context and backstory on 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 you and i'm sure um your brother's going to feature in this 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 question as well what was your kind of introduction to combat sports and how did that come about i i started tie boxing when i was 10 years old um i just finished football training uh, as a youngster uh, and I'd, I kind of Warrington it, it's the same as any other northern town it's got rough areas and, and nice areas and we, we kind of happen to live in one of the rougher areas me and my brother so my mum said you know let's get you into a kind of a combat sport and it just happened that this Thai boxing um, ad was in, in one of the newspapers and that's how we, we went down to, to one of the gyms and, and really enjoyed it um, and then the MMA came on about kind of six, seven years after that uh, by watching The Ultimate Fighter. That's the, kind of the first introduction to MMA for, for me and Dan. Um, he's, he's gone back to Thai boxing. He's, he's a very good Thai boxer. He's like ninth in the world at Thai boxing. Um, wow. Where I've, I've stuck at MMA. And yeah, like, like you say, we're both lucky enough where we can do this for a full-time job. But that's kind of where it originated in the start. And, and going back then to, you know, just the concept of going in and learning, you know, Muay Thai and, and being put in a... a in, in a ring to spar and things like that. Was you comfortable at a young age with confrontation and being sort of faced with aggression and, 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 and that kind of environment? Not really. No, I'd say kind of me, me and Dan were the absolute opposite when we were kids. We, we hated confrontation. We, we didn't really even, we wanted to fight, but we put so much pressure on ourselves that we never even enjoyed the fighting in the end. Even, even from a, an early age, we, I think we, we kind of, we both said that's, Possibly one of our biggest regrets from our amateur days was that you never enjoyed the whole process because we we wanted to win so much that we ended up losing, if, if that makes sense. Um, we didn't handle the pressure very well. And that's kind of recently, that's what I think I've, I've done better is I've started to enjoy the whole process. But in terms of fighting or even sparring, we, we, we generally didn't, we generally didn't enjoy those parts of the sport. It was more the keeping fit and, and, and possibly been able to defend ourselves if if the need arised. So with that, is it is it more a case of if it's the right outcome? Obviously, 
enjoying the outcome rather than the process because i can obviously i do an incredibly different job to you you know no one's hitting me in the face but uh unless i've been a real asshole but uh i like i've sometimes had it even in my career and i'm sure other people that do all sorts of jobs can have that um understanding of like wanting to do such a good job that the job you're supposed to love to do you're not actually enjoying the day-to-day aspect of it, but the finished product when you win or when I watch a show back that I think is good or that I've done all right in and, and stuff like that, that I, I get an enjoyment and a sense of achievement from that. But sometimes sure. I'm so desperate to do well in it that the day-to-day process, I'm, I'm, if anything, I'm, I'm annoyed with myself. I didn't do a good job there. That wasn't right. So is, was that similar to you? You, you weren't enjoying the day-to-day, but maybe the end product, you go, well, I won, and, and that feels good. That's that's initially 100% kind of what happened, and that's what's kind of flipped, or what, I've, what I what I think's flipped. I do try and, these days, especially enjoy even the bits like the weight cutting, you know, the cutting weight, or the, the, the very hard training sessions, or staying in the hotel, waiting for the fights, and all, and all the rest of it, the weigh-ins, and... and, and the little kind of nitty-gritty horrible bits that maybe people don't get to see, I, I do try and take all this in. I, I think especially considering in, the, in this job, by the time you're 40 years old, that's it. Pretty much you're finished. You, your career's very short. And, and what I didn't what I didn't want to do is, is look back on the career and say, Christ, you know what, I, I really miss it now and I wish I enjoyed it a lot more as I was doing it. Um, that that would be kind of my advice to anyone coming up or any amateurs would would just be enjoy even your losses you can learn so much from your losses. My, my record is is quite poor um, when you consider it to other people's because they have made a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot. You know, I, I have been quite naive in some areas, but with every kind of mistake that I made, they always always came like a learning process at the end of it, and always came some kind of adjustment. You mentioned um, weight cutting and. And looking back, am I right in saying that when you started, you was welter? That's that's correct, yeah. And so that 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 move up is 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 quite significant. So, what's the weight cut like now? Like, is is there much to take off ahead of a, a you know a scrap, or are you you know and and how how are you finding that? Are you on top of it now? Is it a process that is is pretty straightforward and 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 a lot easier? The weight cut is so much easier now compared to what it used to be. Um, I used to cut about 15 kilo in, in terms of weight, and that would be probably over like a six-week period, um, which was an awful lot. But what, 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 you, what you'd find is that the whole training camp ended up being dedicated to this weight loss, which, you, which is you know obviously the wrong way to go about. Your training camp wants to be getting sharp for the fight, adjusting to whatever opponent that you're fighting, and it, it just ended up being kind of a slog to get this weight off where... Um, like currently now, I've got six kilos to lose, and that's very comfortable. That's me. E- even now, generally eating, you know, not eating terribly, but eating, having the odd treat on the weekend and whatnot, and the odd treat day. Um, uh, when I get to the hotel, because obviously with cage worries, we have to be in like a COVID bubble, so we have to stay in the hotel for kind of two or three days before we even get to fight. But by the time I get to the hotel, that the weight is already off. There's there's no kind of no saunas, no salt baths. Um, no kind of sweats in, in, in the sweatsuits or anything. It's, it's you know, all the hard work in, in regards to the weight is done and it's off. And I'm, again, it, it just it makes it so much more easier to enjoy than it would prior when you wake up and you've got six kilo to lose in one day or in one morning sometimes. 
I don't know if you just saw me then looking at my phone. And the reason I was doing that, I wasn't being rude. I was because I had known nothing about kilos and I wanted to just make everyone that's listening, listening to this, understand what you were saying, because I think most British people go, we're stones, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> and so when you say 15 kilo, you're cutting 15 kilo. That's two stone, five pounds. Sure. Yeah. That like in what, period of time are you cutting two stone five pounds that that is kind of like a six-week period um and most of that for, for anyone who kind of doesn't know the weight quitting period uh, i'll keep this nice and quick but most of it is, is is water weight so what we're trying to do is essentially trying to dehydrate your body instead of like a conventional person who wants to lose weight because they want to feel a bit better or healthier or look better or whatever they want to lose fat so they'll be kind of some kind of calorie restriction and they'll diet down and they'll look better and all the rest of it in terms of fighting, we, we want to be able to put the weight back on the next day. That, that's the point of the weight cut, is that you go in bigger and stronger than your opponent. And obviously, you can't put 15 kilo of muscle back on the day after losing it. So we essentially pull all the water out of our bodies. Um, again, we can do that with a few different ways. We can do that by salt baths, which is sitting in like an incredibly hot bath full of Epsom salt, and that will draw the water out of your skin or the moisture out of your skin. Saunas, which is kind of self-explanatory. You're sweating a sauna. And then obviously, um, kind of... Uh, wearing lots of layers, going for runs, sweating out that way. So all the weight is 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 what we call like a water weight. You first you'd water load, and then you'd you'd cut the water. Um, and it's you know as as you can imagine, it's not very really comfortable. It's it, it is by far the hardest part of a fight camp. The, the fight compared to the weight cut is 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 almost the easy part. And when you say water loading again, for people who don't understand, but is that just drinking lots and lots and lots of water in the lead up to then dehydrating the body? So exactly. Yeah. So, so, so what you what you kind of do is, or what the, the science behind it. If, if you know, I'm surely no scientist, but you, what you'll do is you'll drink kind compared of. Compared to uh, us, I, you are, mate. You are a <laughs> fucking neurosurgeon compared to us. Don't worry about that. So you'll drink. Uh, I start by drinking eight liters of water, um, and then you'll taper this down for the next kind of five days. But when you initially drink that eight, eight liters of water, your body will release some kind of hormone which will try and excrete the water because obviously eight liters of water, the body doesn't really know what to do with. Um, so your body goes into this kind of uh, water flushing mode and it will be in that for like the next five days. And so you're slowly over the course of the five days losing the weight. And then obviously you pair that with the the other kind of uh, techniques we were talking about before with the, the salt baths and whatnot. And hopefully you'd, you'd like to think you lose that. I'd, I'd imagine the week of the fight that was possibly – maybe seven to eight kilos would, would be the week of the, of the fight and the rest would be leading up to it. Wow. So that's, that's just like in a week, that's, a, that's roughly like a stone, maybe a bit more. Sure. It's just, yeah. just, just crazy. And the other thing that really always seems unfair to me when I look at the weight classes, and I'm sure you smiling, I think you know maybe what I'm going to start saying, but like 125 to 155, it's all ten pounds difference, you know. Sure. Connor can go up and down. Henry Cejudo can go up and down. It's a ten pound difference. And then when you get to lightweight, if you want to go up, you've got to add fifteen pounds. That's over a That's stone. Sure. And then That's another right. fifteen pounds for for middleweight. So your your jump from welter to middle. That's huge. That's over a stone. And then, Jesus, you look at Adesanya recently and how undersized he was mm. when he fought Jan Blahovic because that's twenty pounds. That's sure. like that's not far off two stone that he's he's trying to add on. Uh, are you there, one of these people like like I would be? I think thinking, 
guys, this this isn't right. If I was like a bit smaller, I'd just be able to go up and down ten pounds, whatever. Why yeah. is it that the higher weight classes have s- such bigger gaps? Would would it not interest you as a fighter, and I'm sure a lot of fighters out there, to go? Come on, let's go 155, 65, 75, 85, 95, 205. That, sure. Is that interesting? It, it doesn't. And they've talked about this quite an awful lot. In fact, you'll see quite a lot of domestic shows introducing the kind of the middleweight classes. So if we're talking like between a, a light, a lightweight and a welterweight um, weight class, there might be something like a 74 kilo or uh, in pounds, that might be like 162 pounds or something like that. So there's definitely a call for it. Um, In terms of the UFC, I think, unfortunately, you're going to have to wait for that catastrophic weight cut where somebody gets badly injured or, you know, possibly dies. Um, In terms of 1FC, that's what happened there. You had like a young Mm. 19 to 21-year-old kid who ended up dying of a stroke in the saunas and then introduced these kind of hydration tests afterwards, which seems to have, seems to have kind of been very successful. Um, so I think that's the only way kind of these weight classes or these hydration tests are going to end up being implemented is by something, unfortunately, you know, horrible happening like that. Yeah. And it, it shouldn't have to get to that stage sure. either, should it? It's, it is, as you said, it's the worst part mm. of the sport because you want everyone to also go into these fights healthy you you know you because and i'm sure you will attest to this having competed at welterweight i'm sure the matt bonner that fought at 170 pounds versus the matt bonner at 185 pounds there's probably a world of difference there in terms of stamina durability all that stuff 100 percent, and i think you are and we, we do talk about the weight cuts and stuff and all the rest of it but i think compared to when i first started and we are talking kind of maybe maybe close to 10 years now in terms of mma the weight, the weight cuts have got a lot better. I think you see someone like Robert Whittaker, who, who had kind of like a, a tough time in welterweight, then moved up to middleweight and became the champion. It, these guys kind of paved the way for, or, or showed everyone that it's not the be-all and end-all of everything. Now, when, when I first started the sport, this kind of 10, 15 kilo weight cut or two and a half stone weight cut, everybody was doing it because um, it was it was seen to be a massive advantage at the time. But people have learned over time that if you go in big, but you're still dehydrated because you're not going to get all the fluids back in. Your stamina is affected. Um, I think we're kind of seeing the back end of these ridiculous weight cuts for, for, for the most part. Anyway. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, 
and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So you've had a good weight cut and you're in that room before you walk out to the cage. What's, what's your routine 10, 15 minutes before you walk out? In terms of walking into the fight or walking out of the hotel room? Uh, walking out to the fight. Um, I, I'm just, I, I do quite a lot of pacing up and down. There's a lot of kind of positive reinforcement in terms of I'm talking to myself and I'm telling myself I'm going to win and stuff like that. Uh, or I'm kind of telling myself just go out there and do, do, do your best. It's almost like what your mum would say to you before you, you know, you, you did a sports day or something like that. You'll go out and do your best. It, it's one of those. But yeah, a lot of pacing, a lot of, it's a bit of a funny one in cage wise because you've got kind of like a pre-workout area. So you've got the warm-up area, then you walk out to this kind of pre-warm-up area. And you, you've literally got like a, a sheet of fabric between you and, and your opponent. So you can you can kind of hear them grunting and talking to themselves and doing the same thing you're doing next to you. So, so it, yeah, that, that's generally what I'll be doing. And that's something that I'm much better at doing now um, than I used to be. Be more positive, going out there and enjoying it. And, like I say, do your best. And people kind of look at me and say, oh, don't, don't be like that. Don't say that. But you can only ever do your best. And, and that's kind of what I've, kind of my mantra is, I suppose. Now, go out there, do your best. And for the most part, my best has been good enough uh, for the last three fights, anyhow. And you talked about... And when, you do, and when you do walk out, how different has it been walking out to empty venues to, to, to obviously packed venues? How's that, how's that affected you? It's not really because I, I was never I was never one of these guys who could pack out a room in terms of I'm, ne- I'm not like the Paddy Pimlet who's got ten thousand friends you know and he thrives <laughs> off the audience you know I've got like my girlfriend and my mum that's about it so it's it's not maybe kind of factored into my fights as much as it might for theirs but. Um, it's a shame that it, again this this kind of Cage Warriors trilogy is another one that's going to be behind closed doors but it's a shame it would have been nice to see your family um, if, if, if you did win this world title it'd be, it'd be a great memory but hopefully if I win they can, they can come and see me defend it so it, it's not really played a massive factor into, into my fights and even if there was a filled out crowd I think that would be the same it, it don't really the way I have always looked at it is once you're in the cage it's you and the fellow and the referee and everybody else can kind of uh and kind of just watching and, and enjoy. They've not really got any participation in the fight. It's me who's in control and, and the other fella. And you you mentioned in, in your answer to our last question about the that that small sheet like kind of separating you from your opponent when you're walking out uh, when you're warming up. Sorry, we had Angela Hill on the show recently who started oh, on a Muay Thai background, and she was saying that like where she was, they had like a similar thing, just like a curtain wow. separating. And so That's her right. trainer was like let them hear you. And she's like, ah, ah, ah. And for, it's like an intimidation thing. Do you get involved in any of that? And then, you know, kind of like mind games of intimidation, like during that kind of time, or even maybe leading up to it, because the face-offs are such a, a big moment for some fighters. I think there's some fighters out there that just go to the face-off. They, they just look at the opponent and go, look, we're going to fight. I mean, a Ben Askren was always pretty good at just going, sure. mate, I don't need anyone to act up. We're about to go and fight. Like, what more do you want? And, um, <laughs> But there's other people that are really in your face. And was it, um, who's the uh, Ion Kutalaba 
was recently like, and he's like shouting in people's faces or oh. grabbing a hold of people. And I think sometimes taking it a bit a step too far and stuff. And we saw Jeremy Stevens pushing Draco closer a while back mm. as well. That's, a, a, you know, too much of fight fell out because of injury. But, but some people do really see like, oh, I saw fear in his eyes or anything like that. So in terms of just before the fight with that curtain, the Muay Thai style, as Angela Hill was talking about it, but also the face-offs, is, are you interested in any of that kind of mind games and intimidation or is that just like, uh, it's, it's, it's a waste of time, we're going to fight? It, probably the second one. You know, yeah. I, I always kind of figured the guys who were pushing and shoving and shouting were always the ones who were the most scared, the ones who were kind of the most nervous about the whole thing. Um, generally, kind of like a standoff, you'd, you'd look at them in the eyes and you'd, you'd kind of just see what the body language was. But I, I was never one for kind of talking or pushing and shoving or anything like that. Or um, in terms of like the backstage with the curtain thing, it's more me getting in my frame of mind and, and not really worrying about the other person. Um I, I can only control myself and I don't really want to kind of come out of character at any time, certainly in my early career, where I maybe did try and get aggressive or get angry or anything like that. It always worked to my detriment. I think you play better off, for me personally anyway, saving the energy, focusing on what I want to do and, and less about the other person on the other side of the curtain. Has, has that ever been a consideration though? I mean, not necessarily the, 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 the huge trash talking and things like that, but um, you mentioned Paddy earlier, and uh, Paddy's obviously someone that's never short of something to say. Uh, <laughs> super charismatic, and 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 as obviously as you you know alluded to, has, has now got a huge following because of the way that he has built Paddy the brand. Uh, and we've obviously seen this with with Connor and and uh, and, and we we chatted to Ian Gary uh, a couple of days ago, and he seems very much on that path as well to to create this this big persona as as. Has that ever been something? Because what you do generally see from these fighters that create this huge media interest is that will at some point create further income sure. uh, and bigger money. And is that something that you ever sort of considered? Like, right, what can I do here? And do I want to play that game? Because it could have financial you know, implications. I think it's always kind of been tempting to go to, to go in that direction, but I just I think that's that's either in you or it isn't. It, it's not something that you can switch on. It's like yeah. Paddy can be a, a room full of people and, and he's got the room rolling around on the floor in like five minutes. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, like you said, he's, he's just got massive charisma, right? I don't think I've got that massive kind of bubbly personality. I'm, I'm kind of a little bit more laid back and stoic almost, and I, I, I would kind of hope to go the other way and kind of be more like a Donald Cerrone uh, of a guy who just goes in there and does does, does the talking with his fists or, or whatever and, and gets respect that way. But in terms of kind of the short-term um, finances and getting attention, I think that what, what you've said in terms of being able to put that charisma across and taunt and stuff, it is definitely, if you've got it, definitely use it. But it, it's just something that I don't think that's, that's really part of my personality. And I think if I tried... I think everybody just think I was a proper dickhead, but, <laughs> but, but yeah. So I kind of I'm gonna keep being a little bit more laid back about it, but yeah, definitely if you've got that kind of charisma personality, then put that to use. So, am I right in saying you you train at Next Generation as well with with, with Paddy and, and and Molly and and so many other uh, amazing fighters? Um, what's a day in the gym like there with with all of these personalities floating about? It's fun. It is fun. And like I said, I say this as someone who's more in the background, who's more listening to it than participating in it. But um, they're definitely the one, as soon as I have a Paddy on Molly's coming on, you know, 
and the music's loud and they're bouncing around. And I think Scousers in general have this kind of other, they, they have this um, other sort of energy. I don't, I'm not really sure where they get it from, where they, they, they always want to spar, they always want to fight. I used to have um, a boxing coach who's a Scouser and they always said, if you walked into a pub or a room and said, who wants to fight every single person in that in that room who was a Scouser will put their hand up. <laughs> just like it's terrible, they just love to fight. It's like, weird because it's there, such a lovely of... place as well. Like I, I've I'm only sure, been to Liverpool yeah. about three or four times. I'm like, every time I be here, I'm like, everyone's so nice. Like, I'm a Londoner. I'm like, people aren't nice. People, if you go up to someone and be like, oh, mate, what's the time? He'd be like, are you trying to nick my watch? Can you get away from me, please? Like, what are you doing? But in Liverpool, everyone's like, oh, just like really, really lovely. It's so strange. I came to Next Gen quite late in my career. I, I went to Next Gen uh, two years ago and I came with like, Again, like as I mentioned before, quite a poor record and not much of a... No, I don't think anyone thought I'd be competing for world titles or anything like that, but I'd actually fought someone from Next Gen as well. So the only way that I said, you know, kind of coming to Next Gen, it was arranged that I'd go in and have kind of like a trial period. And I was a little bit nervous going in because it is this world-class facility and you've got big characters there. And I think it was I think it was Paddy who came up to me first and welcomed me to the gym and you know, was super nice about it and... So you're right in terms of what you're saying. The scouts is that they like a fight and, and and they can be super aggressive and stuff. But there's also that kind of um, they're very much when you're part of part of the group, it's very much like a family atmosphere. Everybody wants you to do well. Everybody's on your side, and you can punch each other in the face and then and then have a good laugh afterwards. You you mentioned Molly. We've mentioned uh, Paddy. Uh, they've both been Cage Warriors champions. They've both gone on to now the UFC. Um, can you take any extra confidence knowing that, you know, that the path you're about to tread and, and want to tread, people in your gym who you see daily have already trodden that path? And, and have they by any chance maybe given you any advice or, or words of wind, wisdom? Because, you know, they've, they've done it and fairly recently. I think you can definitely take encouragement from the fact that it's been there and been done. And these are these aren't coaches who, who say say if I get signed to the UFC or whatever, these aren't coaches who are going to kind of be thrown thrown by that. Oh my God, Matt's in the UFC. We got what we're going to do? Are we going to train or anything like that? Everything everything is in place. They've been there. They've done it. They've been to Las Vegas. They've been to massive shows abroad. Um, so, so that helps an awful lot. And obviously that that's a massive part of being. You know, part of Cage Warriors as well is there's so many Cage Warriors guys who have won the world title who've, who have gone on to fight for the UFC in terms of Conor McGregor, Dan Hardy and uh, Molly and Paddy we've mentioned there's, there's 100 plus more who've also walked that path so that's definitely been the appeal of of Cage Warriors for me is that there is a clear pathway to, to get to the UFC and I said this um, to, to someone else I was having a conversation with the other day is everybody at Next Gen in the room wants to go to the UFC there's nobody in there who's thinking, oh, you know what, I think I'll have a fight and then maybe maybe I'll uh, go back to the warehouse or I'll go back to the building site. Everybody in there wants to be a UFC fighter. And that we kind of, in that way, you, you, everyone's pushing each other. But certainly in terms of next gen, there's like a little trophy cabinet in next gen and they've got like three Cage Warriors World titles in there already. So that's always nice to see. And I think Molly said the other day, nobody out of next gen who's fought for a Cage World title, Cage Royce World title has ever lost. So that's nice. That's nice to know. And yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll be number four, but 
like I say, you've got the staff and you've got the fighters around you who, who definitely have the knowledge and the know-how to, to get you to, to the bigger shows. And and when we talk sort of bigger shows and and, and other uh, organisations, UFC constantly keeps presenting itself as the, you know, we all know it's the biggest organisation, but something that um, I'm, I'm always interested in now is, is, is Bellator and, and, and the fact that we're seeing so many fighters uh, and, and it evolving from being where, you know, former UFC legends kind of retire from the UFC into Bellator and, uh, and, and you see some, you know, some, some great, we're now seeing, you know, legit prospects in, in, sure. in Bellator. And what we're also hearing, if, if, you know, what we hear is true is the money's considerably better in Bellator. Um, and so with that in mind, once you win this belt and you get an opportunity to, to then move to another organization, is it the chosen path of, I want to go to the biggest organization and, you know, make my name there and cement my legacy? Or is it, a, you know, a, 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 you know, a legit consideration that, okay, well, I could go here and I could potentially make more money. Like what, what's, what's the kind of, what's the plan? I think when I when I first started MMA again, this this is when I was seventeen. There, there wasn't any money in MMA. It's changed so much. It's I always say with people like there wasn't in terms of like um, like staff. Like I've got an SNC coach, and you've got guys you look after uh, your diet and your nutrition and stuff. And these things didn't exist when we first started. Um, what, what I'm trying to get out really is that I've not really got any. There's nothing in me that says, oh, my God, I'm going to go for the money. Because when I started, there was no money in it. Um, I, I would like to go to the UFC. That is the ultimate goal. But then if another organisation comes and says, listen, we're going to give you 10000 to fight and 10000 quid to win, that goes a long way to paying your bills as well. Mm. So it is a legitimate kind of, if the option was there, it'd certainly be tempting. But I think, I think the UFC is always going to be for me anyway, the, the kind of the personal goal. Everyone wants to go to the UFC. Everybody, everyone's nans, granddads, aunties, uncles knows what the UFC is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, if that option came along, I'd have a good deep think about it. But UFC is more appealing at this, this point in my life. And you, you mentioned that Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You know, that's one of the big pluses with Cage Warriors is they do seem to be a great feeder organization for, for European fighters into the UFC. And I suppose one of the things that you have to consider when you're in a position like you're, you, you are, and, and especially when you become a Cage Warriors champion, the UFC are taking note. Like, they're, they're looking already. And um, the... The contract, I guess, either comes in two ways. It, it, it comes in a, oh, Matt, you, you're brilliant. Here, have this lovely contract and, you know, we'll sort you out a fight down the line and it's really great. Or it's, hey, 
Matt, someone just dropped out of a fight. We'll give you a UFC contract for, let's say, like two fights or whatever, but you're fighting in eight days. That's right. If that eight-day opportunity comes in, are you up for that? Because we've spoken to fighters that say, I don't want my debut to be that. I want to earn the respect of the UFC so that they come to me because they want me as part of their roster, not because, oh, shit, who can we get? And you hope that it kind of works out for you. Because obviously you take that late notice fight and you might be fighting someone that's been prepping for 10 weeks and you've got eight days. It's, it's, you know, the, the, you'll be a massive underdog in that fight. So are you up for that? Because it's just like, I'll just take any opportunity or, or do you want to go, no, I'm, I'm waiting for the thing that's right for me? I think I've kind of, uh, I've almost made a career out of fighting anyone. I think most people look at my record, and again, I've got kind of like a nine-win, six-loss record. Um, But I've only kind of got to this world title fight because I would fight anyone. Um, I I fought George Smith um, two, two, three fights ago, and George Smith was like the massive, I was certainly the underdog in that fight, let's put it that way. But then you beat George Smith, and then they give you somebody else who's a little bit better. And again, you're the underdog. Then you beat him, and then you get James Webb, who's the former champion. And then once you beat him, they can't, they, they just can't deny you the belt yeah. because you initially took on that big underdog fight. So I, I would, I would definitely take the opportunity. Uh, this, this isn't in terms of the sport of MMA. It's not this big fairy tale where the UFC are going to come knocking on your door and say, "Oh, please." Please come to the UFC, Matt, because we saw you fight us, Frederick, and you look so amazing. It's going to, it is going to be sometimes. We need a fighter. Do you want to do it? Because if you don't, there's 10 other guys who have said yeah. they're already going to do it. So, And I kind of think this is this is part of, what again, what's been successful for me is I've, I've stayed very consistent during training camps. I've not done my training camp, done my fighting and disappeared, um, not to go on a session or anything. I've, I've got straight back into training pretty much the next week. So... If that opportunity did come along, I still think I'd be in good shape and and I'd still I'd still be you know training and whatnot. I'd still be super sharp. So yeah, if the opportunity came, I'd, I'd definitely take it. And and listen, if you lose, you lose. It's one of those who expect you to win anyway. I, I've always kind of thrived off being that big underdog. And um, again, that's kind of been a way that I've, that, that the pressure has been taken off me um, in, in previous fights. So yeah, I, I would definitely, I would definitely take the opportunity to fight on a few days' notice. Well, we've we've mentioned the Fredericks fight um, a few times uh, in the duration of this chat. How's training going, and and what can we expect from from Matt Bonner in that fight? Training's gone really well. Training's gone so smooth. I think this it was two weeks on Thursday the fight. But if you'd asked me a week ago, I'd have said, oh, I think I think there's eight weeks left because training camp's gone so smooth that you've not kept up with the weeks. If you're looking at your calendar and going, oh, bloody hell, I've got six weeks of this left, that's when you know your training camp's not going very well. So it's gone super fast. My weight's even better than the last fight. And as we've mentioned previously, you know, the weight cut for me isn't a big deal, but I'm in a good place there. In terms of what to expect, that's a little bit of a tricky one to answer because... Without kind of being condescending to Frederick, I do think I'm, I'm probably a little bit better everywhere. And I, I say it's tricky because if you go against someone who's like a really, really good grappler, the game plan is you're not going to let him grapple and you're going to beat him up on the feet. If you go against a really good striker, then it'd be vice versa. You take this, you take the guy down. So the game plan for this one is a little bit more diverse. Um, generally, I'm going to go in there and I, 
I think I'm just going to see how the fight presents itself, see what he brings, and, and then take it from there. I think I'm, I'm, I've trained so well in all the different kind of skill sets in terms of the wrestling and the striking and the grappling that I am very confident wherever the fight goes. So I'm, I'm not going in there with this kind of A to B game plan. It's let's see what he brings. Be careful. Keep my hands nice and tall because he's a very dangerous striker. Uh, and just see what presents itself at the time. And after the uh, the fight, everything goes well. You get the belt. What's the celebration looking like? What's the what's the go to food or the the drink or the party or what what's what's the thing you're going for that you're most looking forward to afterwards? Uh, I'm I'm going to be super boring. It's, I think most people. I'm going to go on a session. I'm going to smash it for a week, and I'm thinking I'm going to go home and have a cheesecake. That, that's kind of like my, <laughs> my, my my thing. I'm going to go home and have some ice cream, and yeah, and that that'll probably last like a week. You know, eating eating crap all week and eating yeah. too much fast food, and and that's probably it. Um, but yeah, not 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 something like super exciting. There's, there's no kind of rock star lifestyle that I'm secretly living. It's go home and eat too much kind of cheesecake, ice cream, whatever, and and then probably get back into training uh, kind of a week, two weeks after. I think you'll be surprised at how many fighters are just like, I just like, I'm going <laughs> home. And I think it was uh, uh, Jack Shaw, Andy and Gary, actually. They're both, uh, well, actually, a lot of the fighters we speak to, they're like, pizza. They're like, I just yeah, want yeah. a big pizza. <laughs> um, Jack Shaw was also very into Skittles. Uh, no, not Jack. Uh, Ian Gary was saying he really wanted Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's how rock and roll you all are deep down is you just want pizza and sweets so and cheesecake so uh yeah that's great no that's but i think i think that's great and um yeah i think um one other thing i wanted to ask you was what do you do outside of the gym to relax like when you're not being matt bonner the fighter when you're not being you know having your own mma gym and and, and training other people and stuff What's your kind of go-to thing for, for just relaxing and chilling out? Uh, I think, again, it's probably quite similar to, to everybody else. It's, you know, I've got a PS5 that I'll enjoy playing on and stuff. Oh, so um, you're one of the rare people that actually have a PS5? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know how I got one. My missus bought it for me for, for, for Christmas, funny enough. It was like a joint Christmas birthday present because my birthday's on Boxing Day. So she managed to, I don't know if she managed to get it. She must have um, been in a queue for a week. I think it was like an Amazon order, but we, we had a little bit of trouble when it first came because I think that the, the, the delivery drive nicked it, as, no. as a lot of them did. And then they sent us around the estate, knocking on people's, you know, poor old women's doors, saying, have you got my PS5? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fucking hell, you don't want Matt Bonner knocking on your door, do you? Got my PS5. <laughs> Nan, uh, Nan, the beast's here. Just to say you haven't seen it. Just say it's under, good job, go hide under the bed. The beast's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that was kind of like three or four doors of the neighbourhood, which I've kind of ruined those relationships with. Uh, yeah, it's like PS5, or I'll kind of go to the cinemas now that now that we can. My missus like kind of likes going to cinemas as well, yeah. so I'll, I'll go along with that. And my brother's just had a had a, his first baby as well, so it's quite oh, nice to go. Over congratulations! There yeah, so That's so it's great. just family stuff and, and and just kind of training uh, in terms of getting away from training. Um, we're stuck in the gym so much now and obviously I enjoy it and it's also my job and my work and stuff so it is nice to to get away and, and de-stress and just kind of deload, I suppose Matt thanks so much for your time today mate it's been lovely having a chat with you, you. and 
obviously we wish you all the best uh go get that belt and uh and we can't wait to uh see you make uh, a big noise over in the ufc thank you fellas uh, it's been an absolute delight chatting to you matt thanks so much mate i've got sorry guys thank you thanks for having me on thanks mate cheers mate all the best wow i mean that was i think that was oh, it was a great episode and for me, one of the more insightful ones. Um, yeah. Just that kind of snapshot into weight cut. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I mean, because we all know about weight cuts. We all know, you know, it's, you know, bad for your health. It's dehydration. It's, it's you know, probably one of the worst aspects of the sport. But I think he broke it down more than any other fighter. Because I think sometimes the fighters forget, and maybe even we sometimes forget, that there could be people listening to this that, you know, they know that they know of weight cuts, but they don't really understand what a weight cut mm. is. And I think when he's talking about, you know, the Epsom salts in the bath and dragging all the, all the water out and, and, and water loading beforehand, and it, it just it, it highlights even more the fact that you're water loading and then your body is producing a hormone that's helping you secrete the water and all that. It just, it's its mad. And the, 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 I loved the detail of that. And um, and it, it, again, just the fact that he was talking about cutting, you know, well over two stone in in six weeks. And there'll be people out there that don't understand what's going on. And yeah. hopefully listening to something like this, they will. That they go, oh my God, I'd, I'd love to cut like a stone or two stone, you know, for that amount of time. I've, you know, I've... I've got the beaches are open. I want to go out in my swim shorts or whatever yeah. it is, but in my speedos. Um, but uh, you know the uh, the fact that it is so dangerous. Yeah, you can't be messing around with that stuff. And the fact that you know it wouldn't work. <laughs> you, you can yeah. dehydrate yourself as much as you want. You're then going to rehydrate yourself. It won't work. It's a completely different uh, you know, type of weight loss. As he said, he's it's, it's almost you know there's a science to it, and yeah. and I think you know what we've seen. You know, over over the recent sort of decade or so, is that, that science has evolved, and and you know, it would appear that there's been lots of progression in it to ensure that these things are done more safely. Because you know, just hearing what he said, you can understand how easily that can go wrong, and people yeah. can get seriously hurt, or as he said, you know, can die. That's yeah. you know, is the body meant to do that? No, probably not. Oh, absolutely not. not. And we saw. I forget the lady's name, so apologies for that, but we had one only at the last pay-per-view or the pay-per-view before. Oh. Was it Stoliarenko? It might not have been. So I don't I don't know. I can't remember. Mm. It might have been Stoliarenko, but it might not, so don't hold me to that. But, you know, she was on the scales twice and, par- and basically was passing out, like falling over off the scales. Yeah. This stuff is no joke. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's one thing for... Uh, I don't know if it was Ian Gary saying this recently, but like, it was one thing for the UFCPI to be open and for people to have all these nutritionists because they make loads of money and all that stuff for the Connors and the Rondas and the John Jones and all that. But when it's, you know, someone who's just got their own gym and they're just holding pads for people and, or, you know, they they might be working in construction outside of, of doing their MMA career. How are they then doing this safely? Yeah. It's 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 yeah. hard and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's really bad uh situations going on particularly at the lower levels of the sport. So those kind of grassroots yeah. levels where people are taking it too far and you may not hear about some of the real negative implications of it. 
absolutely. Um, and yeah, I just thought, uh, aside from it being really insightful, what a really nice dude. Just yeah. completely grounded, down to earth. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd love to see him grab that belt. You know, I loved how honest he was about his record, you know, and his yeah. career. And he said, you know, with every loss come a lesson, you know, and, and he's learned from that. And he's on a three fight streak now. And to then get that belt and then to get the next opportunity, you know, presented after that. Incredible. I wish him all the best. Absolutely. Yeah. And for people that aren't aware, uh, he's fighting Natias Frederick at Cage Warriors 123 for the middleweight belt on June 24th. Uh, so, yeah. And that's Matt the Beast Bonner going for that middleweight strap. Fingers crossed for him there. Um, I just love the idea of him knocking on old ladies' houses and going, Have you got my PS5? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely that fight's part of the cage warriors trilogy um so many stacked cards on on that go get stuck into that you can watch it on fight pass or just go over to the cage warriors website and find out where else you can catch up with everything that's going to be happening around the trilogy we back next time we're back next time with more cage warriors i would imagine but i imagine you're right bye, bye.